So, we've been thinking about this meal and this feast all weekend. And children, you might want to think about stars being fixed by Jesus, the moon being fixed by Jesus, your cat being fixed by Jesus, yourself being fixed by Jesus, um, because it's all here this morning. Now, I asked the group on Friday, have you ever done a spring clean? And for some reason, they laughed. Have you ever done a spring clean? Yep, we spring cleaned this church not too long ago. This meal was a picture of the spring cleaning that Jesus does for the whole cosmos. That means the stars in the sky right down to us. All of it. Because the other feasts, they all meant about something specific. The atonement one was a picture of it all. Everything that Jesus does for everyone who trusts in him. All of it. It's like a giant cosmic spring cleaning reminder once a year that these people celebrated, and we are as well. And so you might ask, well, what's he spring cleaning with his blood? And, you, and I would answer, everything. Because everything is polluted by sin. Everything's a bit broken. Have you found that in life? Everything's a bit broken. Your food goes moldy after a while. So, oh. oh, sorry. Yep, sorry. <laughs> Frightened me there. Brilliant. Um, in 1996, I took an apple off a tree. I disconnected it from its life source. And what happened to the apple? It started perishing. I've still got it because I'm doing a science experiment with it. My wife hates it, but it's in our house in a bowl. And most of it is perished and decayed because it's been disconnected from the source of life. And that's how the Bible says the world is at the moment. Because of rebellion and general not being interested in God, it's all disconnected and a bit broken. Have you found that? Broken. It's brilliant, but it's broken. Humans are brilliant, but they're broken. The cosmos is brilliant. Here's some facts about it that I wrote down. Dave probably knows them all already, going on the last time I gave some facts about the cosmos here, but we'll test him again. Did you know that most galaxies are between 1,000 and 10,000 parsecs in diameter? Did you know that? Okay, well, let me help you understand that. A parsec is an astronomical unit of length. To put the number into perspective, one parsec, Dave will tell you later, is equivalent to approximately 31 trillion kilometers. And most galaxies are between 1,000 and 10,000 parsecs. Isn't that incredible? It is, it's mind-blowingly glorious. The more we learn about like, how things work with our telescopes, the more it's, we just bring glory to the, the Lord who just breathed it. It's brilliant, but it's broken. It's decaying, and things crash into each other. And sometimes it crashes onto planet Earth. It's all a bit irregular and dying. How far does Jesus save? Does it affect that? The weather is wonderful, but it's a bit broken. Did you know that the sun is the most important source of energy for the earth? Did you know that? It generates weather patterns, provides energy, plant, uh, energy to plants so that they can grow and do their things, provides oxygen, and you need that, and food, and you need that. Did you know that you can tell the temperature by counting a cricket's chirps? Did you know that? Yeah, honestly, the, even the weather and the crickets are glorious. Um, the rain is glorious. It is. Come on. We need it. 
hydration for wild animals and refill the rivers and all that stuff, but it's broken. And did you know, sometimes sandstorms can swallow up entire cities because things are not quite as they should be. A mudslide can carry rocks and trees and vehicles and buildings. A heat wave can make train tracks bend and train fall over. Did you know about 2,000 thunderstorms hit planet Earth every minute? Something's not right. Did you know that animals are glorious? Did you know that a snail can sleep for three years at a time? <laughs> I put that in the glorious section. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Did you know, I don't know why I put this in the glorious section, there are one million ants for every human in the world. Is that glorious? I don't know. Did you know that a dog's sense of smell is about 100,000 times stronger than yours? What are you cooking for lunch? Is a dog nearby? Did you know that the biggest penguin on record was 2.3 meters tall? It's called a colossal penguin. Isn't that, isn't that glorious? Six foot six, that is. A penguin. Anyway, but it's also broken and we see that nature is red in tooth and claw and sometimes there's horror stories in the animal kingdom. How far does Jesus save? As we think about his work of spring cleaning everything. Um, ah, if I asked you what's the most Christian of all the plants, you would obviously say, because you've thought about it like I have, the tree. Yeah, they are. Um, in the Bible, trees clap their hands in Isaiah 55 when God's people seek him. So they're full on Christian, sort of. Psalm 104, you want to read that? Mark chapter 4, God says, my kingdom is like, like a tree because it starts with a seed and gets massive. All right, oh wait, let me persuade you a bit more with trees. A tree has to die as a seed. And in its resurrected life, it starts budding from the ground and reaching out to heavens. That's why the Bible loves trees. The tree has to let itself die as a pathetic little seed and then just trust in the Lord to bless it with outside resurrecting power. And obviously, it shoots up in praise and clapping its hand to Jesus all day long. That's what trees are. But they're also broken. And Romans chapter 8 says, like, they're all waiting to be fixed and they get moldy and a bit poisoned and infected. And I don't need to tell you how wonderful humans are. We populate gardens and make them look nice. We make cities. We build universities. We equip factories and we farm farms and cultivate them and we build cathedrals. And they soar up, we sail ships and trains, and we write books and perform music. And we fall in love, and we do art and dancing and engineers, and then we turn on the news and we stab each other, don't we? And we backbite, and we betray, because we're broken. And in the 20th century, when the world finally had a go at life without God, in that century alone, with godless regimes, we killed more people in that century than all the other centuries in history combined. So that's not going well, trying to fix ourselves, is it? So how far does Jesus save? Well, once a year, this church reminded the watching pa pagan nations about the coming Messiah that they trusted in and they loved, and they couldn't wait to see. That's what the Bible says. 
They've been looking forward to this coming Messiah from Eve, because he was promised there. And Jacob had a wrestling match with him, and they were all excited about that. And then he was in the burning bush, and then he led them out of Egypt. And they're really excited about their God, who's a priest and a fixer. And so once a year, someone in this story called Aaron uh, dressed up as the coming Jesus priest. You know, when you put your Spider-Man costume on, you think you've got Spider-Man's powers. Well, Aaron would put the Jesus costume on and would act out the role of what Jesus was going to do for the stars and the trees and the ants and the people. And um, every detail on his clothes was a reminder of God. And we'll cover that in the Thursday group at some point. So come along. And he walked into a tent that they made. And he walked from the west to the east because God's seat was the easternmost part of the tent. Because at the beginning of the Bible, humans get thrown out from God's presence to the east. So we're always trying to get west. When they conquer the promised land, they go from east to west. So face towards Pembrokeshire and turn your back on Newport. (laughs) Or actually, if geographically here, you'd just be facing Wales completely, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's better. Face Wales, head, and he walks west. Okay, that's important. And before they built the tent, there were three items of furniture which Moses told them to build first. Because... We follow a God who's Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, three persons. A family of love and unity. And so they built the furniture first because nothing existed before God. And then Moses said, right now, build a tent around it. Everything comes after God. Now, why did they put a tent around it? Good question. Well, I've got the answer. Because in the Bible, tents are often linked with stars and heavens. If you don't believe me, listen to this. Isaiah 40. God stretches out the heavens like a canopy and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. Wrapped around God is like a tent. In Psalm 104 it says this, um, God wraps himself in light. The stars are like a tent wrapped around him. You can read that later. The Lord wraps himself like a garment and stretches out the heavens like a tent. Psalm 104. And the picture is, I'm coming down here with you. I'm inside the enclosed heavens. I'm very close to you all. And he's actually very close to you this morning. And so he would walk through to where God lives. He'd say, hello people, I'm going this way. And then he'd walk through the picture of the heavens with all the stars and the cosmos around him. And he'd he'd arrive at where God sits, the very center of it all. And what he would do, he would kill two animals. And we read it in Leviticus. Aaron shall bring the goat and sacrifice it for a sin offering. So up comes the man dressed as Jesus to the very center of the cosmos itself where God is and from which everything comes. And there he would sprinkle blood of an animal that's given up its life for the sins of people. And from the very center of it all, it would work its way out through the heavens and back to the people. That was the picture. The blood of the animal touched everything. And that was called making atonement. Making things one. Back to God. Put the apple back on the tree. Verse 15. He shall slaughter the goat for the sin of the people and take its blood behind the curtain to do with it as he did with the bull's blood. And he shall sprinkle on it on the seat, the atonement cover, where God sits. So he cleanses the heavens and the cosmos and the earth and comes back to the people. The Lord Jesus makes all the wrongs of the world right. That's what his work is going to do from the very throne of heaven out. The pollution of sin 
the trees, your sin, the rocks, the birds, they need this atonement sacrifice and it's coming. And then he would come out. And the, there's a goat called the scapegoat. You can thank Tyndale for that Bible translation. That's where that word comes from. He called it the scapegoat. On go the sins of the people. Have you ever sinned? Well, on went the sins of the ancient church onto the goat, and he was sent out to the wilderness. And the message, therefore, is this. There is a sacrifice for sins accepted to God. Not only are sins forgiven and put right, they're also removed. And as Sue read, as far as the east is from the west, every sin you've ever committed shall be removed before your heavenly Father. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And then a few years later, the Father would send His Son. And He would be the reality of what that picture was a few years ago. And all the faithful people were excited about this one. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb, here comes the animal who's going to be killed for our sins. He's the only hope to clean everything top to bottom. And He was killed on Calvary. And on the third day He rose again. And He had a new cleansed, non-decay, non-killable, perfect body. And he's called the first harvest. And the rest of you, your church, are called the second harvest. Because that's going to happen to you. Because he's going to cleanse even your body from frailty and decay. No wonder the animals are excited and always trying to get in on the Gospels. Do you see they're always trying to get their little heads in the stories, aren't they? They know full well who their Messiah is. Even the trees are groaning for this man, animals bow to Jesus. Weather bows to Jesus. The cosmos bows to Jesus. And people, we're not as clever as animals and trees and rocks. We need some persuading. But eventually, we bow to Jesus as well. Friends, let's wrap it up. We have fallen. We've all chosen to rebel. It's deadly. The cost is blood. That's how serious sin is. We are not at one with God. However, the Lord does not demand your blood this morning. He didn't then, and He never shall. He provides the blood to fix your wrongs, such as His love for you. You do not have to punish yourself this morning. You do not have to live in guilt. Christ has been punished. He was made guilty for us. You do not have to be in chains this morning. You can be free following Jesus. You are not outside of the atoning, forgiving love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to close by reading two chunks from the Bible. Because even the New Testament cottons on to the glorious part of this story. And it's in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. You don't need to look it up. I'm going to read Hebrews 9 and then a bit of Hebrews 10 and I'm going to close. Here's Hebrews 9.24, talking about this. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, the tent, which was only a copy of the true heavens. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest did year after year. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all, he has appeared 
at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person in Park End, I added that, is destined to die, and after that will come the judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, that's done, but to bring salvation to the people who are waiting for him. And Hebrews chapter 10, here's what you do with it this week. Here's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. What do you do with sermons like this? Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, Father, we're here and we can talk to you and follow you. By a new and living way opened us to us through the curtain, that is, by the body of Jesus. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Don't waste this. Get to know God. He's wonderful. Come with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we must spur one another on this week towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see him and his great day coming. A few years ago, Coldplay sang, I will fix you. They won't. Jesus will. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.